This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. John Loney, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you. Um, now, J.R. Loney is, um, I guess, your pen name, and yes. your name is John, mm. and you live in Brisbane, yep. and you've been a screenwriter, playwright, script editor, yep. whose credits include some of Australia's top TV dramas and films. John was head screenwriting at the Australian Film, Television and Radio School for seven years, mm. during which time you also co-wrote the feature film Kokoda. Yep and is currently one of the writers on the popular television series A Place to Call Home. It's just finished. They've, oh, they've come to their end there. Have yeah, they? Yeah. I've never seen it, actually. Yeah, but it's I've on heard. cable. It's terribly successful. hundred and something countries around the world. Yeah, wow. Very it's got good. that beautiful Australian actor in it who I love with the blonde hair. What's her name? Marta. Marta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Marta yeah. Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf. Yeah. John is here to talk to us about his new novel, The Woman from St. Germain, a gripping, fast-paced and deeply atmospheric tale of two strangers from vastly different worlds who must team up to go on the run to outwit the Nazis in occupied World War II France. Um, now, this is radio, uh, in a sense. Uh, it's not visual, but the most beautiful package ever. I mean, beautiful cover, beautiful look and feel. Um, and for those of you who want to know what it looks like, jump onto our Facebook page where I've just recorded a, an interview with John. Um, John, it's a body of work for you, isn't it? Tell me how you came to writing, just screenwriting. I mean, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Brisbane? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. I'm a Brisbane boy. We... We were taken to the library every week by our parents, my brother and me, um, from the, from as far back as I can remember. And every Saturday night we went to the cinema. And then when television came, uh, we, television came late and for the first few years of television they played everything made in America, in Hollywood in the 30s and 40s. Mm. So there's a wonderful uh, education. And is it because your parents love the arts? Is what the, they loved it themselves? They love reading. They love reading. They love reading. And I like the fact that they like cinema as well. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. They loved cinema. So there's an education that I didn't know I was having. Mm. And so being a natural reader, uh, I became a natural writer because you find stories you want to tell yourself. At first, in non-fiction, I loved history. Um, and then... Because I didn't like universities much, I ended up working for the theatre company in South Australia. I got a job there, and from then doing writing, writing, yeah, 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 yeah researcher writer. So you've been writing for as long as you know. Oh, a long, long, long time. Yeah, yes, yes. yeah. What did you study at university? Uh, history. 
right. history and pol- political history, history, Australian stuff. I was very interested in Australia. Um, this was the 70s and there was a, a renaissance in Australian literature, Australian music, Australian culture at that stage. So that was a great influence on me and I met writers. I remember meeting David Malouf at a writer's <gasps> week in Adelaide because I was wow. at the, I'd moved to South Australia to work in the – so I met lots of writers. I remember Christina Stead. Yeah. So, uh, you met ins- Christina Stead? Yeah, yeah, in her yeah. old age. Yeah, she came to an Adelaide writer's week. Uh, so they were great I think I, the first time I met David Malouf was at an Adelaide writer's mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting <coughs> too um, – the career path of a writer and when you start calling yourself a writer. Mm. I think that writers struggle with that. You know, is it when you first publish your work? Is it when you, I mean, yeah, yeah. You when never is believe, it? You never believe you really are one. So when you're travelling and you've got to fill that occupation card out at the airport, what do you write? I do now put yeah. writer. Yes. Uh, when I was at the film and television school, I could lie, or not lie, I wasn't lying, but yeah. I put teacher. Um, yes. Uh, but uh, now I put, I just put writer because that's what I am for heaven's sakes. <laughs> but it does take a while for that to come out, oh, yeah, doesn't yes, it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. You think you're a fraud yeah. um, for a very long time. And we used to, uh, do you, how much money do you have to earn a year to call yourself one, you know, uh, $1 or $1,000 or something like that? What do you think the turning point is? What would you say? When is it that you become a writer? Oh, look, I was a writer much earlier than I thought I was one because that's what I did all the time. I didn't do other things. So, you know, for heaven's sakes, even though you mightn't have been earning a lot of money, you were still earning money. But what else did you do? Yeah. You know, the housework? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Do you know imposter syndrome? Do you know that term? Uh, Well, uh, no, I don't. uh, Um, Well, it's something that women suffer more than men. And it's when you, I mean, I suffer it a lot, um, and, and people of, you know, uh, with great careers do. So it's when you're doing your job and you think that maybe you're not good enough for oh, it. Oh, I, I had that. You had that. You oh, just couldn't put a name to it. That's true. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, don't you? Because I think often too, like if I'm talking to you, I'm talking to writers every day. I mean, I'm not a writer, but I'm a reader. And I, I sometimes think, am I qualified enough to have this conversation? Mm-hmm. And I guess writing's the same. Isn't it? Yes, yes, Am yes. I on the same level as David Malouf? Am I on the same? You know, I mean, oh, well, we did go to, we did grow up in Brisbane, and we did go to the same school, and he yes. has become a friend of mine. So, but I still don't think I'm on the same <laughs> level as David. It's interesting, isn't it? But it's just a different writing style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, when did you get your first paid gig? Oh, after. F- Oh, well, at the theatre company. But after the theatre company working, I went to the film school to study for a year. Uh, There was a transition course for people working in theatre or fiction to work in television. And it was after that I wrote, um, there was a a thing called Willis's Australians and it was for the bicentenary. And I wrote Errol Flynn the screenplay for Errol Flynn and one of the others, I think, maybe I edited it, but um, no, who was that? Anyway, I've forgotten, but I remember Errol Flynn. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because he was such a liar about his life, you could sort of make most of it up Mm. and that was fortunate. A liar, I mean fraud, literary fraud, but that's not a conversation for us today. We recorded a podcast recently on that in in light of AJ Mm. Finn. Um, but let's not go there because it's all made up, isn't it? We're yeah. talking fiction here. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about 
writing for script, like script writing and writing a book. Um, and for me, I, and I haven't read very many screenplays, but they often don't make much sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that because you have to fill in the gaps? Talk to me about that process. Yes. A screenplay is a blueprint for something bigger and the writer's part of a process begins the process, a necessary part of the process, to set the story journey out in dramatic terms. And the word drama is really important, much more important in a screenplay. I think it's very important for fiction too, but there are a lot of psychological stories where the drama's more interior in novels. You can't get away with that on a film because a film only works by what you see and what you hear. And the screenplay's job is to refine that and it's always a matter of rewriting, rewriting, rewriting from something huge to this blueprint, which is like steps. And reading them is quite hard to understand. Mm. If you're not used to reading them, um, they're quite hard to follow. A, a novel, Because it's all dialogue. No, it's not always, but... One line of description in a screenplay could be a few minutes on screen. Or in the other, if you're looking at it from the other way around, 30 pages of a novel might end up being half a minute on the screen. Mm. So their diff- their time and their difference, mm. very, very, very different. Mm. So. And I'd imagine they're very different skills. They are. But the one thing I think is really useful, if, if you learn how to write the, the craft of screenwriting is the craft of writing dramatic stories dramatic storytelling with a protagonist and an antagonist a goal a journey if you can replicate that in in fiction you've really got something going for you and the best fiction the most popular fiction does that yes it has Absolutely. a story like yeah yeah I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to share this with you. I've shared it a million times on the podcast and for those listeners out there, sorry to be repetitive, but I love John le Carre as a writer and he was in Sydney a few years back now, maybe 10 years ago, and I went to see, you know, I was just in the audience with a couple of hundred other people and, of course, at the end of it, um, somebody asked him a question about writing, um, as people do, because most people that go and see uh, writers are aspiring writers as well as readers and they asked him about what makes a good story. And for me, I mean, not that I'm a writer, but this has always sat with me. He said there are two stories. There's the cat sat on the mat or there's the cat sat on the dog's mat. Absolutely. The cat sat on the dog's mat is the dramatic story and that's the thing that really gives you... Tension. Tension, drama, and you want to... Find out what happens. Exactly. That I always said when I was writing, when I was running things at the film school, it should be across your head. What happens next? If the reader doesn't or the viewer doesn't have that in their mind, you're not telling the story. It's collapsed. You've lost us. You've yeah. lost it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What happens next? And why is the cat sat on the dog's mat interesting? What's going to happen? What is the happened? dog going to eat the cat or is the cat going to punch <laughs> and up? And who's going to win? Who's, who's going to win? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
It is really about that, isn't it? Absolutely. And I read so many because people send us, you know, so many stories and you're just saying, that's not even the cat on the mat. No, no, no. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing happens. Nothing what happens. happens. <laughs> yeah, there has to be plot, doesn't mm-hmm. there? Um, okay, so it's, there's most definitely um, plot in your book, uh, The Woman from St. Germain. Mm-hmm. So tell me, how is it that you came from screenwriting to writing long form? And did you find that? Was that a transition? Well, this started out as a screenplay, which opened doors for me and yeah. everyone said, oh, how fantastic, what a wonderful screenplay. But did they cough up the money to make it? No. no. And I got frustrated from this and I'd stopped working at the film school and we'd moved to Brisbane, yeah, right. back to Brisbane, um, and I had the time to do it. And I'd always had it in my mind, well, I'll do it as a, sc- uh, a novel. Um, and that was a fantastic experience because... It made me go deeper into the characters. So tell me, uh, how many words in an average screenplay? Words, it's not so much words, yes. it's, uh, it's pages. Pages. So uh, 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 an average, a good screenplay is between 90 and 120 A4. Right. Um, and it really shouldn't be. Some sc- films these days are too long. Too long. To get the- and so a novel is what, 90,000? Uh, 100,000 words. words. So what that turns out, it's a big transition. And for me, in this one, the character of Bauer, the German detective, really developed as I turned this from screenplay into novel. And he became really interesting, whereas in the screenplay he was rather inchoate. So actually I'm grateful now that people didn't come up. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. With the money to make the screenplay then, because I've turned out a much better story, which if it's turned into a screenplay now, will be immensely better than it would have been had they said yes then. So there's another lesson for writers. No is really good at most of the time. People say no, it often means not yet. Don't feel disheartened because you can do better. That is such great advice. That is really good advice for writers. Knockbacks are not the end of the world. They are sometimes what you need. Yeah, and go back and keep reworking. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Okay, That. I mean, that's, I think, such a great tip. Um, So to sit there and to learn that craft for you was that kind of going from that to that like self-taught you just wrote and wrote and then 
and then went back and edited your own yeah, work yeah, and yeah. checked it and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that yeah, what you do? Yeah. 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 I think I've, that's I've incredibly enough, difficult you know, to do. But I've read so many books. Yes. And you, by that stage, you develop your own style. Mm. So, uh, and I, you know, I'm long on the tooth. So I've got a lot of experience yeah. with my own style. Yeah. Okay. So when you knew it, it was ready, what did you then do? When the novel was ready. When you, you thought, okay, this is good to go. Okay, yes, I told, I showed it to the agency, my agent, Sean Rickman. Yeah. And Anthony. So you were already with her. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was, okay. I was with the agency. Yes, you see, a lot of people don't have agents. They've That's got right. to find an agent. So I was well down that track. If you don't have an agent, you've got to send your manuscript to an agent. And my advice there is, Find out what they've done before. Is my book like X? Who was their agent? Because um, they're more likely to take you up if there is some familiarity. Uh, they've got experience in producing, getting uh, public publication for such and such a book, romantic fiction. Depends on the genre. Yeah. Find someone who fits your genre. I agree with that, John. I often say to writers, um, go into a bookshop, find all the books that you think are like your book, then Google it, find out who they're represented by. That's absolutely the thing to do. It is. Yep. Okay, so then you've got your first long-form fiction book mm. um, and you give it to your agent and, I mean, she could have come back and said it was a dud. Yes. <laughs> Mm. She I'd didn't. She didn't, yes. <laughs> I was speechless there for a minute. No, she didn't. No. <laughs> and then the, and very quickly um, we got the deal with Simon and Schuster who came on board. So mm. quick, I was driving back from my garden where I look after my niece's garden. It's my hobby. Oh, um, gosh. Can you I, be my, my uncle? I've mm. <laughs> <laughs> One's enough. Yeah. And uh, I it, was driving and the phone rang and I never answered them, but I stopped to answer this one. I actually did. So you pulled over, I hope. I pulled over, yeah, yes. yeah. I pulled over and it was Jean saying, oh, we've got a deal. That's not fantastic. Yeah. 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 And has it, has it felt like a different experience for you, like the, the, the PR, the coming oh, in to speak? this is much better fun for a writer working, doing long-form fiction. Because film your... By the time the film comes out, yes, you're, you wrote it or the television, but the people who make the television and star in the television or the film, they are the, they are the stars. Yes, of um, course. And that is an advantage if you want, if you're shy, which I am. I'm not gregarious, but uh, I must say I've enjoyed this experience because there's just you and the book. And yeah. the publishers are behind you, so you're the one. You're, here I am, this is my book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. been received so well. Yes. Um, I want to um, ask you about characters now. Um, yes. And we, we, we talked about character appropriation. Can you tell us what that is and why everyone's talking about it at the moment? Well, it's a big thing. I noticed something interesting when I was reading screenplays. This is back in the 90s. This is here in Australia. And... It, so many of them had an Aboriginal character in them. And the Aboriginal character, I thought, what's this person doing in a screenplay about a bank robbery? Or it didn't matter what it was. And it was a stereotype usually. Usually a stereotype. And the character was there so the writer could show that I'm a nice person. I like Aboriginal people. I like Indigenous people. I don't know any Murrays or 
whatever, you know, Jagra people, but I'm a good person. It was virtue signaling and the character wasn't, was appropriated. Yeah. It wasn't necessary, but it was appropriated. And, and, and that's stupid. I mean, why you don't have, to, we know you're a nice person, you know, don't yeah. have to prove that. Um, when you're writing outside your own experience, you really have to do your homework. Um, and if you're writing from a foreign, in a foreign country or a foreign culture, that's really difficult. And you, and un, I think you should be able to do it. All writers are able to do that through their imagination, create characters that aren't them. That's because you have to, don't you? I mean, otherwise you can't tell a story. It can't well, be that three people contribute to writing a book or exactly. depending on the number of characters. Exactly. How would the Bront, you know, how yeah. would the Brontes write all those fantastic male characters for God's sakes? I yeah. Mean, it's, um, Middlemarch. How could you, it's just you, but you really have to do your homework. And the problem is when that homework's not done and it's just virtue signaling or theft. You know, cultural theft, which I think, um, when you look back at some earlier fiction and they don't know, you look at the cartoon, uh, what are the comics that yeah. have, we had when we were kids, um, and set in Africa with, uh, or Robinson Crusoe even. It's, it makes you uncomfortable to read some of that stuff these days, but you can't recreate, you know, rewrite the past. That's what happened then. It's what we do now is important. And so, if you are going to write outside your broad experience, you've really got to do your homework and you've got to do it on the ground. I think you've got to sniff the air of a place you're writing about, be it Mongolia or the, well, the moon's a bit hard, but yes. you, you, the equivalent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, we read a lot here, um, but often if I've, if a book has just resonated with me or I feel that something is missing, it's usually set in a place where the author's not been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of get a sense of that, don't yeah. you? I make sure I'm – I wrote this uh, – I know this – the journey that Eleanor goes on in, in my book, the, the Woman from Saint-Germain, I know that journey physically. The only bit I didn't do – was crossing the Pyrenees in the middle of winter, but I think yeah. I can be forgiven. <laughs> that's right. I think you can imagine what that's like. Mm. Um, so tell us about what it's like to write, one, historical fiction, but two, to write female fiction characters. The historical stuff, <coughs> excuse me, I love history and I'm, I know nowhere to go to find the stuff I need. And you really have to do a lot of work. Um, Quite a lot. Um, not only reading books, but you, the internet is fantastic yeah. these days because it gets you into nooks and crannies that once you could never have gotten into. Mm. Uh, and you, it's like reading, you get a fantastic piece of information from a footnote. Uh, oh, I can use that. A fact. Mm. So I always like to set my stories in the real world of the time that Nothing in there, I hope, is offensive to the what happened. I don't make any of those facts up, or I don't. Uh, I, I it would mortify me to say I, you know, I've changed something. So they've got to fit into that, and that a great discipline, because you get story out of that. Yes. Um, now, writing a woman character, uh, 
I've never found that a problem. I've found them more sympathetic and interesting to write about than male characters. But when we say a woman character or a male character, there's so many gradations. Yeah. Uh, writing about soldiers in when I wrote Kokoda with Alistair Grierson, the director, well, our, my father was there. Yeah. Uh, so I had models and all his friends. I knew them. Yeah. So that was my world. I could do that. Eleanor. Yes, I know Eleanor. Um, I've met people like Eleanor. Uh, and, but she's also me. Yeah. She's also me. I think all writers, they're all characters of versions of, of, of the writer themselves. Uh, she's me. Yeah. Um, See, that always worries me with crime fiction. <laughs> yes, it's interesting. Isn't well, it? I, I do have a friend who was writing s- some of that and she said, well, what would I do in that situation? Yeah. So forces herself through her imagination to be the criminal. What would I do in that situation? Mm. And she says it does take her into some dark spots which surprise her, but um, it does give an authenticity. It doesn't turn her into a murderer yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you yeah. do have to go there, don't you? Yes, and unless you're willing to go there, you're going to write superficially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you live and breathe it for so long. Um, a friend of mine who's a fiction writer, Michael Robotham, his wife uh, told me once, or he told me that his wife often said, Michael, are you here? Are you with us today? Because yes, yeah. he's always thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he's in character, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's the same as actors. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, John, um, thank you so much for coming in to speak with us today. Congratulations. I mean, you know, I mean, great first book, great response. The readers are loving it. Um, and you must be thrilled about that. I am. I'm delighted to get the response from the readers is the best thing. Absolutely. Because it justifies what you're doing and you're, and there's nothing better than to be understood. Mm. And are you writing a second? Yes, and I'm doing the research. Oh, actually, I'm writing it now. I write as I, res- I research as I write after I've done the general thing. It's set in the Second World War in Prague, the first part, and that's where I am now yeah. in Prague in 1940, uh, another German occupation. Yeah. And uh, I'm going there again in May. Uh, physically? I'm, physically, and I know what I need to do. Right. So things are planned. Well, thanks for leaving that space for a minute and coming to see us. Um, Great conversation, John. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere.
catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.